alone, to the glory of God alone, being baptized does nothing but get you wet. It's also true that if your trust is in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, saved by faith through saved by grace through faith, you cannot be baptized, you're still a Christian. However, you can't be uh, walking in obedience to Christ because that's one of his commands for his church. And so at some very important and pivotal point, in most cases an early point, Christians get baptized to mark the beginning. Here's the words from Matthew's Gospel. It reads like this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, the central verb in those couple verses, three verses, would be the idea of making disciples. Jesus charges his disciples to make disciples. That's the central verb in, that, in what Jesus just said. And if the question were to come up, well, how exactly do you make disciples? There are three more participles that tell you, well, here's what I mean. Here's how you make disciples. You have to go, it's, and that's assumed. It's in your going. It's actually having gone, but it's a participle, so it should have an ing ending somewhere in there. Going, baptizing, and teaching. That's how you make disciples. However you're going, Wherever you're going, there's no place where you are not a Christian if you are a Christian. You don't become a Christian when you walk in some building where the church gathers. You're a Christian no matter where you go. So in your going, the charge is to make disciples. That's going to include baptizing them. It's going to include teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's, what, that's the basis behind what Jesus says. He also says something at the very end. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Which is kind of interesting because the disciples died for the most part 1900 to 2000 years ago. Jesus didn't say, behold, I'm with you in the mission I've charged you with until the end of your life. What he says is, behold, I'm with you till the end of the age which is why the church takes up the baton and says the charge given to the disciples is the charge we have as well. The church is charged with making disciples. We do that in our going, we do that in our baptizing, and we do that in our teaching. Because Jesus hasn't come yet, we're not at the end of the age. Until the end of the age comes, it's the charge of the church. Just as it was the charge of the disciples to whom Jesus was speaking to before he ascended in Matthew's gospel. Secondly, Paul writes these words in Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now the word baptism doesn't occur in those words of Paul in Romans chapter 12, but the concept is not hidden, or the concept very much is in what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12. He talks about presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's what baptism is. It's a presentation. 
to all of you as witnesses, it's a presentation to you that I am a living sacrifice to a living God. I've been purchased by his blood. I belong to him. My faith is in Christ and Christ alone. And so it is in obedience to the command to uh, have Jesus' disciples, those who call themselves his disciples, to observe all that he's commanded. Chief of which, or beginning of which, is baptism. And so it's a presentation. Now again, if I liken it back to our my marriage illustration, when a man and a woman come together in marriage, and by the way, it's so so interesting, you know, having Brian share in Sunday school, he'll be back in December with his family. But, you know, Brian, I married Brian and Lynn, and now he's got a, his oldest daughter is married, and the other two are getting ready to graduate from high school, and I'm thinking, how's that, how could he be that old? Because I don't think I'm that old, and I realize I have to be, but it's just amazing to me how, how things like that work out. But at any rate, when two people get married, Brian, since he's here, when Brian and Lynn were here, it was one of the first marriages I did. It wasn't the first, but it was, it was pretty early on. So I have an idea how long they've been married, probably 26, 25 years. Okay, yeah. Uh, when they came together in marriage, they didn't come together saying, here's what I'm bringing to the marriage. I'm gonna, I will bring this skill. I will bring this talent. I'm bringing this much money to the marriage. I'm bringing, you know, it's not about what you're bringing external. You bring yourself. When two people marry, they are presenting themselves to the other person in marriage. It's a pledge of one's person. In the same way, when Christians are presenting their bodies as a living sacrifice, a presentation done at baptism in a special way, it's not saying, I pledge to be in church on Sunday mornings. It's not a pledge, I'm pledging to give this much money to the work of the church, our local church, or whatever the case may be. I'm, you're not pledging to volunteer for something. You are pledging yourself. You're pledging yourself in baptism. Just like a husband presents himself to his wife, and a wife presents and pledges herself to her husband. That's what Christian baptism is. Nothing less. Nothing less. So that wherever you go, whatever you say, and all the money that you have in some fashion, you recognize it's a stewardship given to me by Christ who is my Lord. And it all belongs to him. That's the pledge in Christian baptism. Now, clearly, we fail on so, I mean, how often we fail. So that ultimately, even in baptism, as we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we recognize we walk by grace. And we expect God's grace to continue to woo us and bring us closer and, and walk in, in closer obedience to him as our Lord, the one to whom we have pledged ourselves. All those things are true. We don't then accomplish our salvation at the end of it. It's always by grace from start to finish. And yet we recognize we are called to walk worthy of the grace we've received in Christ. When something is really important in our culture, we sometimes call it a matter of life and death. A matter of life and death. Well, in a sense, Christian baptism is, with an interesting twist, a matter of life and death. I'll take you to another passage that Paul writes to the Romans. It's in chapter 6. It reads like this. What shall we say then? 
Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So in this case, in Christian baptism, it's interesting, it's not a matter of life and death, it's a matter of death and life. Because in baptism, we're recognizing we were buried with Christ in his death, we are buried to the person that we used to be, and we are raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. So it's, a, it's in reverse. It's a matter of death and life. It's not what accomplishes it, it's what symbolizes it. By base, on the basis of my faith in Christ, as Christ died, fulfilling all the demands of righteousness, all the demands of the law, all the demands of holiness that God must require of sinners, fulfilled in Christ, I'm dead to the person I was, and I'm alive to live and walk in newness of life, walk in paths of obedience, because Christ has fulfilled all of that on my behalf. So, it starts off in here, it talks about died to sin, his death, buried, death, and the dead, and then you add the resurrection portion of it, just as Christ was raised, we too might walk in newness of life. All of that is true in Christian baptism. And I think this is the time I will have the baptismal candidates. You can go and if you need to change, you can go change for baptism. Go underneath the stairs. You can meet me. All right. Up on your stool. Sorry. Owen writes, I realized I was a sinner and that no one was perfect in 2019. Pastor Tracy helped me to understand the gospel. That's not a pastor here. That's previous church. That Jesus is the son of God and that he died on the cross to take away sin. In 2021, I prayed and asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. A favorite Bible verse is John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So based upon Owen's profession of faith, I baptize him in the name of the father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, and raised to walk in newness of life. I will not need the stool for Samson. I could probably use a bigger pool. All right. Samson writes, there's a lot of stress in my life with lots of influences trying to make me live a certain way that is unbiblical and sinful. I'm afraid that if I try to handle it myself, I will succumb to them. By God's grace, my parents raised me to believe what's right, and they took me to a good church. That is our church. <laughs> I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and because of this, I can live believing what he told me through his word. I can give the stress and conflict to him. Because of this decision, I'm getting baptized to obey the command of Jesus and to publicly show my belief in him. 
you need to be way up here. So based upon Samson's profession of faith, I baptize him in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, and raised to walk in the of life. next. I'll read mine. It says, I was called to Christ in 2016. The month slash day I can't remember, but I can tell you the first time I was quote-unquote baptized. And I say baptized loosely because I don't believe it was genuine. At the time, I had zero understanding of what it meant to be baptized. I believe the church I was attending did not explain to me what it really meant to be baptized. Also, at the time, I couldn't begin to tell you what the gospel was. It wasn't until I was pulled out of the charismatic movement that I started to have my eyes open to true biblical doctrine. It was pastors like John MacArthur, Justin Peters, and James White who really helped me understand that I am a wretched sinner in need of a Savior. Now that I understand my sin and unworthiness, I realize I am no better than any unbeliever. By that I mean I am not special. God didn't choose me to be saved because I did something He liked. My merits didn't get me saved. I'm beyond thankful that the Holy Spirit gave me the ability to see my sins so that I can repent of them. Not only repent, but to turn away from them. I am grateful that he has given me a new heart with desires that are holy and righteous. One verse that I read not too long ago that I really stuck with me is Psalms 42, verse 1 and 2. It goes, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So based upon Corey's profession of faith, I'm going to baptize him in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, bearing the likeness of Christ's death, and raised to walk in newness of life. Haley's our last candidate. I noticed she's the first one to have her toenails painted. (laughs) So when I was about eight, I realized in church that um, I was a sinner and just going to church didn't save me and I needed a savior. So when the pastor said an example of a prayer to ask for salvation, I prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to take away my sins and to come into my heart. I didn't feel a kind of glowing magic inside that I expected at eight years old. So I prayed that prayer every week for about six weeks or so. And I felt confident that God had heard me and loved me and forgiven my sins, and I knew I was saved. Baptism, pab, sorry, baptism has been a massive journey in my life for more than 12 years now. When I was 8 or 9, my sister was preparing to be baptized, and I wanted to do it too. I knew it was a sign to say you were a Christian, and I definitely wanted that. When our pastor at the time came to our house to interview my sister and I and ask us questions, I froze. I was a very, very shy little girl, and I would usually cry if I had to talk to adults I wasn't comfortable with. When he asked me questions about my faith, I was so scared, and I couldn't think or speak, and I couldn't talk to him or answer his questions. I was so terrified, I couldn't even think straight to whisper the answers to my mom. He decided for me that I wasn't ready and would not baptize me, and that crushed me. In my mind, he was telling me I wasn't worth the time or effort. I wasn't worthy of God or salvation. I gave up and cowered and cried 
every time the subject of baptism came up for years. I was angry at him and convinced myself that I wasn't worth God's time or love. Later, I was simply disinterested in baptism and communion. I told myself, nope, not for you, for so long that I no longer wanted to. I knew I was saved and God loved me, and I was happy and content in my own security and God's love. But at the same time, I also felt guilt when the subject came up. I knew I should try to do it to obey God's command to be baptized, but I had so much trauma around being rejected that I completely shut down the idea. For the last few months, I've learned a lot about God's grace and unending love, and he's been slowly mending my bruised heart that held so much hurt and bitterness about that situation. He's been showing and reminding me that I am worth his time, and he loves me so much that he sent his son to pay the, picture, pay the price of death for my sins and to save me. Finally, when Pastor Cliff announced there would be this service, I felt an urge to do it. I felt ready and excited and to finally obey and to put on the jersey and show that I'm on God's team and that I'm his and that his grace has covered me. My favorite verses that remind me of this are Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved, so that in the coming of ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So based upon Haley's profession of faith, I'm going to baptize her in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ's death, and raised to walk in newness of life. Darwin's going to lead you in another song. I think it's, is it 388? Yes.